So this is the West Coast Project podcast for Orange and New Black. I'm Michelle, and we've got a little show business to get to today before we get started. Um, some of you probably noticed that it's been quite a while since our last Orange podcast. Um, Mike and I do several podcasts, and Mike even does more than I do. And Orange is definitely Mike's least favorite. So whenever anything's come up and everything, Orange has always gotten pushed to the background. And um, also with the way Orange comes out all at one time, there's no, or certainly not as much urgency to get it out. So it's just been the way that we've handled it. But since Mike really doesn't love the show, and uh, we decided that we would try it today with a new podcaster. So I'm excited to introduce you all today to Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Are you excited? I'm very excited. A little bit nervous, but very excited. Uh, no, no, no. We're just going to talk about the show and uh, get your opinion on it and everything and see how it goes. Um, and hopefully we'll be learning about Jessica as we go along. But uh, tell me, Jessica, have you always been a fan of Orange? Is this a new thing? No, I've watched it since it came out. It was uh, really advertised on Netflix. I guess it was one of the first Netflix originals, I think. And it was really heavily advertised, and mm-hmm. I binge-watched it. I watched the whole first season within a week and then was thoroughly depressed until it came back out. But, yeah, it's really kind of addicting, don't you think? Yes, it really is. It uh, It's fabulous, though. It's a great one. I think it's a really good show. That's where uh, Mike and I kind of disconnected on it a little bit. It's... um. Do you think it may be geared more toward women? Because I don't I don't hear as many men loving on this show. Probably. I really think, I mean, it shows, whenever you think of a prison show, they never focus on the women side of it. Like the actual, what women go through in prison. And I know this isn't an accurate portrayal of what women go through in prison, but it's a different angle on prison. That's, that's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's just funny. I wonder... Our listeners and stuff, I wonder how many are men that listen to the podcast, and I wonder how many of those men really, you know, get a lot out of the show. So, I don't know. I don't either. I have no I idea. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe some of them will tweet us and let us know. Hey, and, uh, and And let us know if there's, you know, guys that actually listen to the podcast. Not that we don't want to hear from the women, too, because we really do. <laughs> we want to hear from everybody, but... um Anyway, I guess we'll just uh, jump right into it, and we'll start. This is uh, Season 3, Episode 3, and um, in the first scene, we've got Luzchek. He's waking Nikki up, and in the background, we've got Norma performing her uh, voodoo on Angie. Uh, Luzchek is asking Nikki about the heroin, that he's found somebody to sell it, and... Nikki says it's all gone, and she also lets him know that Boo isn't on it, but that she had nothing to do with it disappearing, she doesn't think. And um, we get that. Uh, Luzchek's pretty upset. Well, yeah, it's hysterical. He keeps threatening to write her a shot. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and she's like, for not giving you heroin? <laughs> right, and then a second shot for being stupid. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. But then we do see a pretty interesting flashback um, of Nikki and what has landed her here. Um, she does seem kind of like she's the leader of this. Did you get that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, she's just the yeah. more pushy one. 
Yeah, yeah, they're um, selling, or not selling, but they're trying to get drugs, and she um, doesn't want to go the weekend without the drugs, so she convinces her little group of people to hop into a cab that she takes off to get to the person who's selling drugs, and they all jump in, and then she wrecks it because she doesn't know how to drive. It's just, she's, she's obviously just a druggie, and she's out of control. Well, maybe she's just the bigger addict out of all of them maybe she's just more dependent on it and the thought of going the weekend for her would be much more detrimental than the other two going the weekend without their heroin yeah <laughs> yeah it could be that they they all seem like they're they're pretty uptight about it but but i think she just has as we've seen in this episode or not this episode but this whole series she is a really strong personality and um, plus the way she was raised and with the money and everything, I think she, you know, right. certainly my take on it is that she's just, um, I don't know, she, <laughs> she's bulletproof. She can do she anything. She is, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then the next thing that we go to is uh, is Alex and Piper on the floor Mike and I kind of had an agreement with this that we are over Alex and Piper and the sex, 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 sex scenes. Can you and I agree with this, or do you have uh, no. another take on it? No, we can definitely. There, it's uh, that's basically all that it is with them. That's that's all it is. And if anything important comes up between them, of course we'll acknowledge it. And I hope you guys don't hate on us too bad for this, but there's just not anything left to say. There's nothing left to say. They're in the library having boring, angry sex. Yep. End scene. Okay. Um, The next scene is Diane. She's talking to the girls about being engaged. Um, That was sad. What did you think about that? Wasn't it kind of sad? so sad. Because she's so discouraged. She's, I mean, she's, or she's, she's getting discouraged. And the other girls are trying to build her up. But even in their build up there, it's sad. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. Um, she's discouraged, but she's I don't know. She's excited, but I thought even beyond that, I thought part of the sad part was how I think her name's Maria, the one who doesn't have her baby anymore. Right. And they throw that out and kind of do this comedic relief, but you kind of wonder how right she is. You know how you do that thing that you make these friends in circumstances and then afterward you may or may not want to be reminded of those circumstances? Oh, of course. Now, see, you understand that because you're a girl. <laughs> I don't know that if I were doing this podcast with Mike that he he would, you know, he would say, what the hell are you talking about? Or something probably, right? Right. Because I think that might be a girl thing. Do you? Um, I've never given it that much thought, just to be honest. <laughs> I mean, just who, who you're friends with is who you're friends with. But, yeah, if you look at guys, it's it's more cut and dry for them. Either you're my friend or you're not my friend. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of funny thinking about it like that. But but the girls are trying to be excited for her, and, and they're pushing off her wedding until they get out and everything. And then we get the little... Kind of sad, but comedic relief where Maria's saying, you know, you're never going to want to see these people again. And Flocka's just like, um, 
Oh, don't listen to her. She's just mad because she can't see her baby. Oh, I know. Then they go right back into it. Right. It wasn't even a blip on their radar. It was just whatever. Yep, that was it. Um, Then we have Ford. He's that uh, guard. And he comes in and he asks Caputo if the camp's going to be closing. So there's evidently some talk going around. And Caputo asks where he heard it. And as as he's getting rid of the porn all over his computer. Can I just point out, though, that he closed his resume that he had open on the computer, exposing the porn, showing that he would rather be (laughs) caught with the porn than he would actually putting out a resume. Well, he closed the porn out, too, though, didn't he? Well, yeah, he did as fast as he could. But, I mean, Uh that was what was behind the resume. That's pretty funny. I I didn't catch that. But Caputo tells him no, that that's not going on, and that he would be the first to know if something was going on with his job. So Caputo's not telling him. Well, he's not telling him, but he never said no. He just, all he kept saying was, I don't want to start a panic. Yeah, and he kind of was like sweating it out. How do you feel about Caputo? I, I can't help but to feel bad for Caputo, because he stepped into that job, he stepped into Natalie's job, And he really thought that he was going to be able to make a difference. And now he's, you know, finding out there's so much more pressure that goes into it. And he's trying to do everything. Yes, he's trying to do everything right. And it just, I mean, it it comes back and bites him every time. I can't help liking Caputo. I like Caputo. There's things about him, of course, that I really dislike. But, But as far as out of the whole character people, I... I I like him, and I see him struggle with these situations. He doesn't just, the things that he does that may not be exactly as you would want him to do, to do it, you can see his internal struggle, I think, with it. And I think that actor plays that brilliantly. Oh, I, I agree. Him. I like him a lot. Okay. So the next scene, we see the Golden Girls there planting the garden and discussing whether to rent out the cornfield <laughs> as a hotel room or not. Um really I mean who would even be thinking that way well Um, they gotta make their money somehow I get yeah yeah because the the drainage yeah a drug underground yeah the the drug tunnel has been uh, cemented up (laughs) Um, Tacey comes and gets the wheelbarrow and they scold her to bring it back when she's done and then we see Healy come up and he's talking to Red and he's talking to her Poor Healy. Okay. No. Bless you. He can't say any. We've all had those days. Those days where you just stick your foot in your mouth no matter what you say. But right. that's. But when he walks up, the first thing he says to Red is nothing like being down on your hands and knees, huh? I mean, uh, in the dirt. In the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Meaning in the soil. You know, I mean, come on, Healy. Um, <laughs> And he's sorry that things are awkward and all that. And he he wants Red to do another translation session between he and his uh, Russian mail-order bride. Right. And she don't want to do it. But he kind of strong arms her into it. And so they... But how sad is it that he really believes the problems that he's having with his wife are just the language gap? There's a lot of problem. Right. Right. With Healy and with everything that's 
that's going on. But I mean, so, he really believes that that's what it is. It's just the language gap. It's just, you know, we can work through this language gap if we just have someone to translate for us. And it's like he's just grasping at that last straw. Yeah, I think he wants it to be a language gap when it's really so much, so much more than that. Right. Okay, in our next scene, we have Birdie. And Birdie is the new counselor and she's talking to Alex. She's talking about drama class and uh, Birdie says that the whole prison system is bull and she just wants to help. And <laughs> Alex says she has her own quilt of lies to sew. And um, goes into this whole big speech and Birdie says, uh, give that speech in drama class. Well, I feel like something Alex brought up in that, um, bringing up that everyone thinks they're just one of the good guys. Everyone can justify that they're just one of the good guys. And I feel like as we go through this, maybe it'll come up once or twice more that that's kind of an underlying theme for the show, or at least for this episode, is that the people who think they're, everyone can justify what they're doing, including like we're talking about with Caputo, with not telling them their jobs are at risk, by telling himself he's just trying to be one of the good guys and really believing that he is one of the good guys. And he is still to us. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it it does. I don't know if Caputo thinks that he's... I think Caputo is covering his own butt doing that. But I do see that in a whole lot of situations in this, like with Healy. I think Healy believes he's one of the good guys, and for the most part he is. But see, we all forget what Healy did, how Healy let Pensatucky go after Piper. Yeah. Remember? I mean, Healy has a really, really dark side, and we forget it. We just kind of kind of forget it and go on, maybe because Piper did or something. I don't know. Well, it's just but you can't help but feel bad for Healy the whole time. Still, he's just one of those sympathy characters. You can't hold it against him. Okay, so he screwed up. He let Pinstucky go after Piper, but you know he's stuck at home with a mail order fraud. Well, he's yeah, trying to kill her. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's he's in he's in charge, Neil. I, it, it was a horrible. The horrible thing. That was under and different we just, management. We're going to just pass that off as that was when Natalie oh, was in. And okay. it was, yeah, under different management. Okay. All right. And for our next scene, we have Nikki. She goes into the laundry with, and uh, we see Soso there. And Soso says that she was just leaving and. Well, because she, she was shirtless. Because she was awkward because she was shirtless. Poor Soso. I know. I really wonder if we're not going some dark place with that girl. She just can't fit in anywhere. Nikki just wants her out of there so she can stash her heroin so she can, you know, put it somewhere else. She doesn't care. But she's mean to Soso, but everybody's mean to Soso, so. Soso talks a lot. That's funny. That's uh, what Nikki said. How do you have time to think when you're always talking? Yeah, but she does, but. Not as much as she did before. I I feel like we can see her declining as the episodes go. You know, like in season one, she's this happy kind of hippy-dippy girl, right? right? And then she just gets like sadder and sadder. And I don't know. I don't know if they're leading us towards something with that or not. But, but it was kind of pitiful because Nikki could just care less about what she's talking about and she's putting the stolen heroin in the light fixture so anyway this is where we flash back to nikki and her mom in the cab and nikki's stealing her mom's money as she's running her mouth and she says she wants the money to bail her friends out of jail 
And considering her her financial situation, not hers, but her family's, it's almost, I almost felt like, and you might disagree, that she owed to get those friends out of jail. I mean, it was like this momentary decision where she's like, jump in the cab, jump in the cab. And, I mean, who wouldn't jump in the cab if somebody's right. screaming at you like that with a group? And um, But she acts like that's what she wants the money for. Right. Well, and, you know, even if we if we back up to the last scene we were just talking about, the, la- the last scene ended with Nikki saying to Soso, she walked out of the room, that she doesn't just throw people away. She looks after her friends. It's just that Soso isn't one of them. Then it flashes to her trying to get the money from Marka, her mom, mm-hmm. um, to get her friends out of jail. So you right. kind of see, I, I kind of saw that as a support in this time that she does look out for her friends as she goes to her mom and tries to get the money to go get her friends out of jail that she put there because she said she felt semi-responsible for them. Right, right. That's that. That's a good a good point. I didn't I didn't really you know mix that together like that, but that's a good point because she is sort of defending her friends, but the person who steals from their mom to defend their friends. Well, not only is she stealing from her mom, but she intentionally upsets her mom, admitting she's an addict, but blaming it on her parents' divorce. So her mom gets upset and looks out the window so she can reach in her purse and steal her money. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Like, that's a special type of a mean person. It was pretty bad. It's really bad. It's bad to see Nikki in that light, I think, and to see the depths she went to I guess just for her addiction yeah and I I really like Nikki Nikki really is uh one of my favorite characters and with all the other flashbacks that we've seen so far I can always kind of see a bit of a difference in the people whenever they were out of jail versus whenever they're in jail and Mm -hmm. Nikki Nikki's personality is pretty much the same I feel am I wrong in that I mean do you see any Um, huge differences there um, maybe she's knocked down a peg or two, you know, just, uh, she doesn't seem quite as emboldened, but almost, though. Well, she's not, she's not on drugs. Of course she doesn't Well, there, there, there you go. There you go. But, she, yeah, she's, um, she's still very manipulative. Yes. And very much and, so looking out for Nikki. Yes. Yes. And, and for some reason, very able to manipulate. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know why. Okay, in our next scene, we have Alex. Uh, She meets up with Popper, and they start talking about who's the sex cow. Okay, does this mean something I don't know about? I had never heard it before. I was going to Google it and decided that was a very poor idea. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even think that Google wants to hear this one. (laughs) No, I don't think so either. I don't want to see what Google has to say about it. Mm, No. Um, So, Piper walks off, and uh, Moreno tells Alex to come to drama class, and all that ensues. Was there anything else about that uh, situation? No, just that Alex was saying the hickey on Alex's neck. I'm sorry, Alex was saying the hickey that was left by Piper on her neck was a branding, and that she was going <laughs> to take her power back. That was a big thing. She was going to take her power back, and then the sex cow, and things got... Yeah, 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 <laughs> Alex. Piper, yeah. Um, okay. Next we see the COs. They're sorting mail, uh, and they're discussing 
that they're afraid that the jail is going to close. So this is something that really is going around. Caputo walks in and they start trying to manipulate him into saying things. Uh, oh, good thing we have a good stable job, huh? All that. Okay, the only thing I took from that scene was at the very end, whenever, uh, what's, I'm sorry, I don't know, I can't remember the the female guard's name. Wanda. Bell? Wanda? Yeah, Wanda, Wanda Bell. Mm-hmm. And uh, her husband was like, did we really take out a loan? And she said, for the rumpus room. That was her answer, was for the rumpus room. And he's like, oh. And I'm disturbed by that. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's I all I got catch- from that scene was they took out a loan for their rumpus room. I didn't catch that. I can't tell you that I'm sad I didn't. <laughs> so um, I don't want to suffer alone in this. But they weren't able to get Caputo to say anything, and he basically just kind of blew them off. So we're seeing Caputo kind of stuck on his position here. Then we see Birdie, and she's setting up chairs for the drama class, and Healy comes in, and he's telling her not to, you know, over-expect and all that. And then, of course, all the girls start filing in, and they're sass-talking back and forth. And that doesn't seem to work the same with Healy, huh? That was the most, that was my favorite scene out of this entire episode. That was great. Because he is talking, you know, to Birdie and, you know, don't get your hopes up, don't get your hopes up. And then they come in, like you said, they're sass talking. And so Healy, in Healy fashion, decides he can sass talk. So he, as soon as Alex Voss walks in, he tries the, Alex Voss, you dumb bitch, look who showed up. And it's just... <laughs> It didn't translate as well, did it? And I mean, even even Birdie, who was just sass-talking, turned around and gave the same just, what did you say? Look to Healy. And I just, again, you have to feel bad for Healy. Okay, the next scene I actually really loved. It's where uh, Tasty and Pousse are having the funeral slash memorial service oh, for the book. The ultimate book return. It's the ultimate. <laughs> from From trees you came and trees you shall return. Um, they are, they are reading the titles and Tasty's in the background giving the, mm, every time they do, it's just, that was great. And poor Pusse, um, whenever she finds out the dictionary has been burned. I know, the dictionary. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, Daya comes up and she, she's just trying to find out some information on Bennett because she just hasn't seen him. No one's telling her anything. He's just not, he's gone. And um, they ask her to quit talking and show some respect. Yeah, and she offers her condolences and excuses herself. And stands there quietly, yep. Now we see the meth girls, Angie and Leanne, and they're talking about about Norma's magic. Angie asks Leanne, or uh, Leanne asks Angie what she wished for, but Angie can't tell her. It's birthday wish rules. I guess it is. I wasn't sure it worked like that, but... One of the COs comes in, and he's asking for the work order because they're drying shoes, and it's loud. He is looking at the work order as the drugs fall from the ceiling light fixture. Right. <laughs> Le- Le- uh, Angie picks it up and says that's what she wished for. Right. Of course, this is after the CO's out of the room and everything, and he doesn't notice it. And she's so excited, and it was like, okay, Angie, Angie got her wish. Right, like right. a kid who got their bicycle on their birthday. She had her heroin fall from the sky. It just fell from the sky, so it's it's Norma. It's all Norma. Obviously. 
Um, okay, now we see the girls in the room and they're doing the improv and uh, Marillo and the Asian woman. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a phone. That's not a phone. It's a dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's making Marillo so mad. She is getting such so like, I can't work with this. And I love her, by the way. She's one of my favorite characters in this. Oh, yeah, she's great. Um, she is great. But she just can't get her to to agree with anything that 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 she comes up with, and it makes for a really funny situation. And then Alex and Piper get up, and they go into the. Uh, this wears me out to even talk about this. They go into this discussion about you know they're they're selling. Uh, Piper sold Alex defective fruit, and of course it's all this symbolism for their gross sex life again yes yes and we get to hear the whole thing and are we supposed to feel like touched or something by this oh i mean everyone else in there did so i mean i think it would be fun to hear it in real life maybe if you didn't know what was going on specifically i mean it was maybe a good scene and a diversion but Right, if we didn't have to watch that every third scene. If we didn't have to see what went on behind closed doors with them. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe that would help. Piper ends up saying she's sorry, but she's not sorry because it's so good to see her. So I guess that's the her excuse. Well, I don't know. I would be very touched if someone brought me to prison to uh, see me again. That would be, you know... I'd be able just to love them and be okay with that again. Yeah, but the whole thing is, I mean, I mean, Alex brought her to begin with. Remember? Alex is the reason she's there. Period. And then Alex screwed her over again in the other situation where she did testify against, um, oh, what's his name? And... Koopa. And, and told Piper not to. I mean... She's really used Piper the whole time, and then for her to turn around and be so indignant, I just don't buy it. This is just the ultimate toxic relationship. That's all they are. They're just, they're both out exactly for each other, or for for themselves and using each other. They're just, they're toxic. It's ridiculous. I see that in Alex. I don't know how much I see that in Piper in this situation, although I do see it in a lot of situations with her. But definitely with Alex, because Alex has overtly used Piper, and then it just almost felt like Piper was getting her back. And then we get to the scene where there's uh, there's girls, there's even more girls that are being released early, and uh, Nikki and Pence Tucky are watching them. And they kind of have this conversation, and it's kind of sad, you know, you hear Pence Tucky talking about how she just basically won't even look forward to it, because she... Right. It'll be a nice surprise. It'll be a nice surprise if she ever does get out. Yeah. Yeah, that that was kind of a dismal conversation. And then Boo comes up and she wants to talk to Nikki alone. They go into the whole conversation that Boo just really doesn't trust Nikki. She, She thinks Nikki's got something to do with the drugs being gone. And Nikki is completely incredulous over this. Like, how could you possibly think that about me? Yeah, she's she's definitely pulling her manipulation with Boo. Right. Then we flash to Nikki talking to her friends that she was supposed to get out of jail. And, of course, she had no intention of getting them out of jail. We find out now with this money. 
the money was used for drugs. And it was just another cop-out, which, which, as gullible as I know I am, that, that surprised me, though, because I really thought she did want the money to get her friends out of jail. Oh, absolutely. Did you trust her? Yeah, I did. I was very surprised and disappointed at the next scene. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I mean, she was talking about, she did jump out of the car and, um, Marka was saying that she would take her back and give her credit card and give her the money, and Nikki just ran away with it. No, 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 and I should have known then. I mean, come on, we should have gotten that, but I didn't, and I thought she was going to try to get him out of jail, and she wasn't. She went and got drugs and got new friends, and, and then she that was, was just ridiculous talking about him, though. Like, well, no one made them get in the cab. You know, like, it's not on her anymore. Right. And then we go to see her discuss with no, Marka. Is, is it Marka? That's where they're going, right? To, like, steal? Was it her mom or no, was it somebody else? it was someone else. It was, I think it was just oh, a random okay. person. They were talking about the rare books. Because she made the comment, I, don't, I bet she can't even read. And, you know, I don't think she would say that about her mom. Okay, yeah. I, because I had written down Martha, and I thought maybe I'd written down Marka, you know. Right. Or written down Martha for Marka. But I didn't think that's who they were talking about. But anyway, they are now on their way to steal a signed copy of The Old Man in the Sea. So um, then we flash to Nikki in jail, walking into the cubicle, telling everyone to get out. She's all frustrated and everything. And here come Angie and Leanne. <laughs> Angie's pushing Leanne in that the laundry, uh, laundry bin. <laughs> and they are obviously high as a kite. Nikki knows immediately what happened to her drugs. Right, so she runs down there, and lo and behold, the light light fixture is open. That's right. That's right. It scared her to death, and she, she knew, and she went down there. And so then she goes immediately to loose check. And confesses the whole thing. And basically tells him he's a sap for ever listening to her to begin with. Right, she's an addict. She's a drug addict, right? <laughs> right, that's that's her uh, her reasoning and her rationale. And she wants him now to go get this from Angie and Leanne. And um, she practically begs him to do it. Well, she made the comment that she was afraid that she was going to find her way to the heroine or the, the heroine would find its way to her. Do right. you think that was a manipulation tactic or do you think she's really fearful of that? No, I don't think she's fearful of that. She had the stuff in her possession the whole time. I think she's not, she's, she just, but we watched her struggle it. with it before. We've watched her well, really you, struggle with it. And like she did what, I mean, I don't remember if it was a few seasons ago, but she took that baggie to Red. Right. And, you know, had Red take it because she was just walking around carrying it and she did not want that for herself again. Right. But, so, no, I didn't take that scene like that at all. Did you really think she was fearful of it? She was just manipulating Loose Check now to get the drugs back. Okay. Essentially for her and them and for their situation. I wouldn't think so at all. I don't think Nikki's scared of having the drugs around. I think Nikki's scared of not having the drugs around. Personally, that's how I take that. Okay. I, I was just curious. I didn't know yeah. which angle to look at that from. So then we see Caputo dialing Figueroa. He's calling her up. He's uh, making nice 
and then he asks her not to shut down the camp. She says she can't help him. He threatens her. He tells her to think about everyone else. He And then um, she's just like, she is blowing him off in typical fig style. Then he threatens to talk to Gavin, her husband's uh, boy. And she wants to know if Joe is threatening her. And he said, of course not. But if the prison closes because she fleeced the prison, then people need to know. And he'll take his pleasures where they come. What would you think about that scene? That was very point blank. It was. And I was... It was interesting to see her again and to see how that was going to play out. And I think it also kind of showed us how desperate... Caputo is in this situation. Oh, right? yeah, to reach out to her, like the one person he hates the most. Right. Do you think he really hates her, though? Um, yeah, I do. Do you not? I'm not sure. Are we going to go sure. with, like, the... They almost seem to have, like, this weird... They have a weird relationship. I'm not sure. They they almost tease one another. So are we going to call them frenemies? Like the people that they love to hate on? They look forward to seeing each other or to talking to each other because they hate each other so much? Like It could be. It could be. I don't know. It's just, it's a really odd situation, I think. And I just can't quite make heads or tails out of it. They They may hate each other, but... I don't know. I don't know. It just kind of goes back and forth with me. I'm not sure. Okay, next we go into Healy. He's talking to Katya, and Red is translating. He only wants her to be happy. She's lost the beginning feelings that they had. And, of course, she's, she says there never was beginning feelings because he's, she calls him a catfish. I know. She says that he portrayed himself to be this sophisticated psychologist. She thought they would be going to the opera and out to dinner and have this kind of life. And, and, um, and now he yells at her and drools in the bed. That was only slightly uncomfortable. That was, wasn't it? It was like that secondhand embarrassment thing. You know, it's like, you know, and... Even Red wouldn't translate that part. She said uh, it it doesn't translate. Right. Because she was so embarrassed. I take it, right? Yes. For Healy. Healy says that there's nothing they can't fix, and she says she deserves better, and then Red just lets her have it. That was great. It really was good. That it was, was really fabulous. Good. Yeah, yeah, she she tells her, this is what a man looks like. He takes care of you and your mother, and, and so what if he drools? Drools a, a small, small talent. <laughs> At least but he's at, trying, and that's more than that's, what she's doing. That's right. And then so, their faces are what said it all at the end of that. I mean, the, Healy's wife was just, she looks shell-shocked, and Healy can't believe Red has said that, or maybe he can't believe that his drooling secret was made public, and then Red is just obviously embarrassed at her outbreak. I think Healy is so grateful to have a human being take up for him <laughs> that he just can't even believe it. He feels shocked and maybe honored or something. Yeah. So, I just really love that. And I also like that Red finally told Katya, I mean, it's Healy, and I don't want to be married to Healy, right? Right. But, come on. Come on. I mean, she's just like, I don't know. I can't help feeling protective over him, right? 
Well, I mean, me neither. It's like you, we said, you can't, you, you feel bad for him and you want to see good things happen to him. And I think we keep looking for ways to justify that. Cause. Which is kind of sad and telling. <laughs> Maybe but, a little bit. But no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm very, I want to see nothing but good things happen for Healy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's definitely the underdog, and I can't help rooting for him. Can't help it. So, And we see his okay. heart. We see his heart in everything that he does, except for whenever he was going to let Piper die. But other than that, like, his heart is really in a lot of the stuff that he does. Yeah, that's probably not the only thing, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and the writers of this have this unique way of making us really feel a lot of empathy toward these characters. And and it certainly works with me and Haley. I don't know why. I'm with um, you. You are not alone. <laughs> okay, good. Next we see Loose Check confronting Angie and Leanne. He finds them like asleep in the piles of clothing <laughs> and he finds the the drugs on them. And he takes them, saying he's going to take them and give them to Caputo, but they see him, like, stow them on his body, so they know he's taking them for himself. Right. And if they tell anyone, he's gonna what's he going to do? Kill them with murder. He's going to kill them with murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like another Louie. Mike and I also do a podcast for the show Louie, and... uh there's a scene in Louie where a woman putting a a uh, carry-on up in a bin on a on an airplane. And it's not going to fit. I mean, it's not going to fit no matter what she does. And so he says, look at it. Look at it with your eyes. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, so this is like he's going to kill them, kill them with murder. So it just kind of reminded me of that, of that Louie scene. So we go back to Loose Check. He's showing Nikki the drugs, and he's talking about how much it is, and enough to kill a sperm whale. And Nikki is chomping that gum. She is <laughs> chomp <laughs> chomping on that gum in this scene, and she's very happy to have the drugs back and all that. And she, you, you really do see her like hanging on to these drugs, and you know, and like really, she just wants them in her hand. She really wants them there. At least right. one, at least a little bit. So she knows, I think, that she could do it if she wanted to. It's still her choice. Yeah, I think we've seen that again and again with her, where she really, like, I mean, the pull of this is definitely evident with her. I think she shows it pretty good. I was going to point out that uh, Loose Check actually makes the comment as, at the very end that, that it's a good thing that they're doing. It's a good thing. He's patting himself on the back, calling himself one of the good guys because he's getting the drugs out of the prison. Right. That, right. It's that right. thing I was telling you about, like whenever Voss was talking to Birdie and how she was saying everyone thinks they're a good guy. Yeah. And then you come back down to him and he's saying, oh, it's a good thing we're doing. We need to get these drugs out of here. And Nikki's like, so what? And get them in the hands of someone you don't know. Right. Right. And, into the hands of these, you know, whoever up in Utica or whatever, that's okay. You know, but he's like, it's not good for the poochies around here. Right. Yeah. But that, that is a good point. How, how, so now Loose Check in this situation is even viewing himself as a good guy, right? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Okay, next we have Daya. She's uh, in the bathroom. She overhears some girls talking about the cute guard. She walks out there thinking that it's going to be Bennett and it's Ford. And she's that was so sad. I know. It's, it's sad. And I feel bad for her for a lot of reasons. She makes me really mad, but I also feel bad for her. Anyway, we'll get into that during her stuff, I guess. But then Angie and Leanne come up, and they just try their best to tell Ford about the drugs that... And I was surprised they did that, right? I wasn't. I wasn't. First of all, Lushek is just... He's not intimidating. He would kill no one with murder. And... They just kind of do what they want. I was not surprised at all. I figured that was going to be the first thing they would do. Okay, I'm surprised because if it comes down to it, if it comes down to it and and it's found like that, they're going to want to know how they knew that. And then they're going to have to basically, it's one of those situations you got to tell on yourself to tell on somebody else. And I mean, don't we learn that in, what, second grade? (laughs) You know, you don't tell on yourself. You know, you just don't. But they do, and <clears throat> well, he took, I think it took away. He took away their blessing. It was it was their blessing for following Norma and the. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, though. I don't know. I think it does take us back to how dangerous. I think we forget a lot of times as we're watching this, and I think we're made to forget, and we're supposed to forget. But that these people are can really be dangerous, and what they're doing, and how they reacted to this really is a dangerous situation. They're not, it's funny, you know, the situations they're showing us and stuff, but it's serious. And by them telling him, and not just telling him, but making sure that he was going to hear something, I was a little taken aback by it. It just made it seem so much more sinister to me than it seemed before. Maybe. Maybe. I just, like I said, I already... I already saw that one coming. That one was not a surprise to me. Okay. I did I couldn't couldn't have ever imagined it, so that's interesting. Okay, next we see Alex and Piper and they're trying to have rough lesbian sex again and Alex doesn't want to hurt her and blah blah blah. Anything else? Empathy is a boner killer. That's what it is. That's the title of the show and it was shown right there. Uh yeah. Alex suggests they hate snuggle. <laughs> I actually have that written in my notes. Yeah, we could have just not seen that, (laughs) but okay. Next, we're outside, and it's Ford, Wanda, and O'Neill, and they're talking about Bennett disappearing, just kind of like an afterthought, and uh, Caputo shows up and asks if they've heard about the drug rumor, and they say that he won't even tell them what's going on with their jobs. And that's where Caputo says that the prison is closing down, but they need to continue to do their jobs. And even though they're shocked and everything, they know that they've kind of got to do what they're doing or, you know, or clean out their locker, as Caputo tells them. Right. They can either be paid for how much? Two months until the prison closes? Is that what he said? I didn't remember, but... I think so. Yeah. soon until the prison closes, or they can go ahead and go home now and be done. Well, right. I mean, you know, that's a terrible way to find out, but, you know, it's kind of true. I mean, they do have to continue on with what they're doing. Ford can't, that can't be his reason for not taking this anywhere, right? right? I mean, because that's 
that's pretty bad. So Caputo gets Ford to go with him, and they break in on uh, electrical, and Luzchek just completely, you know, he just completely throws Nikki under the bus, which I think we, you know, of course, I wouldn't have expected anything differently from that. No, but, but I was kind of surprised at the way it was handled. What about absolutely, you? Absolutely, that's what I was going to say. Is he, you know, he says obviously it's Nikki. She's a junkie. Of course it's her, and. I mean, without anything, without any evidence or anything, just by him pointing the finger, she's taken to Max. Yeah, but you got to understand, though, I guess that, and I kind of felt the same way, but Luzchek is a correctional officer there in some capacity. He's some employee there. I think he's a correctional officer. And so yeah, he, he can get them in trouble, too. It kind of goes back to that thing I was saying about how sinister some of this can actually be and how devastating these people can, the devastating effects these people can have on one another. But just to say it, just to say, just to point your finger and say, no, it was her. I got caught, but it was her and that's it. Out the door. Within, I mean, what, 30 seconds? Yeah, that was, it was bad. I just don't know that it wouldn't happen that way. I don't either. But That's the it sad was bad. part of it. Yeah, yeah. It was scary. I mean, it's scary and sinister feeling. And I think that's one of the things that I really like about this show is that it takes us from being lighthearted into being this kind of sinister thing. And it can make me feel that back and forth. And it really can, like, yank me back and forth in these situations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, uh, the writers are really good at doing that to us. yeah. So then we flash to Nikki and her mom, and they're talking with uh, the attorney that her mom's gotten for Nikki. And Nikki's all freaked out because she can't believe that that the best she can get is 10 years, and she won't be out for like eight. And I don't think we've heard this about Nikki before and how long she has or had left or what actually happened. But um, it was really sad here because Nikki's blaming her mom for not doing what she could and that her mom shouldn't have given her money. And her mom's like, well, I was trying to prevent you from stealing. And her mom was absolutely in a no-win situation, no matter what she did. Uh, you know, her mom said, I'm your mother. I love you, but I am no match for you. And that hurt my feelings. It's And, and it's true. That was devastating. If someone's out to self-destruct, I don't know that you can stop them. Well, you can't. It's not possible. Well, probably not. You can probably help them to self-destruct or help them to not self-destruct. But I just don't know. I don't know that you can stop that. And it was a a really sad kind of mother-daughter situation, I thought. It made me kind of sad. I was very sad. That one, that scene messed me up. Yeah. So then we see Caputo. He's walking out and Fig comes up. She's telling about a, a prison corporation that wanted to take over the prison a year ago and didn't because they didn't meet the criteria. But now we know the criteria. And they're kind of, you know, this is where I'm saying she obviously has to do it. He's blackmailing her in a way. But they don't have to throw in the beer can and fangs comment, right? <laughs> I mean, do they? Isn't that kind of like teasing and enlightening it up or not? Well, I'm, I guess, yeah. 
I their relationship from day one has been, it has never made sense to me. I just, I'm well, sticking with hate because that's easier for me to understand. Good point. Okay, now we have um, Marilla and Red, they're running after Nikki. They're leading Nikki away, essentially. And, you know, Red says that she's her mother and she should get to say something to her. And she's, you know, real upset. Nikki's just kind of resigned yeah and cold yeah red says why didn't you come to me and she says not what i do i'm a screw up yeah that was and then she, awful it is it's sad it's almost like okay i let my first mother down and they just showed us that situation she was crying and now i've let my second mother down who's taking care of me in here and she's upset and um you know here she is and then she gets in the van, and she's going down the hill to Max, and she gets to listen to all of Pennsylvania's <laughs> sass and comments. <laughs> look on the bright side. Can't get any worse. That's that's one way to look at it as they're headed down this hill. And they go down to what looks like the real prison to, uh, I think I'm coming down by the Dum Dum Girls. Well, she, then we... She said... Um... She, Pennsylvania asked if she said goodbye to your people, and uh, right. she said the Dykes and your mom, and it ended with Nikki saying, "Red's not my mom. I wouldn't wish that on her. I wouldn't wish that on anyone." Something that I maybe just by watching this episode more closely was, you know, I picked up on the theme of everyone thinks they're a good guy. Nikki never once acts like she's a good guy. Nikki never justifies one of her actions by pretending like she's good in any way. Well, that's a good point. No, no, I was trying to think. I mean, I hadn't thought about it like that, but no, I think Nikki knows who she's governed by or what she's governed by, and it's her drug addiction. Yeah. And I think she at least realizes that. Well, it's like Marka said, she's wired to self-destruct. Yep. And it's, Really sad for the people that she's able to get close to. So Anyway, I cut you off. We're going to talk about the song. They were going down the... No, no. I was just saying it was, um, I think I'm coming down by the Dum Dum Girls. We, uh, a lot of times, we'll talk about the music. I don't know much more about that than that, but, but it seemed pretty fitting. Yeah. For what it was. But that's all I got for Season 3, Episode 3. We really hope that those of you who listen to us will connect with us and become part of our Orange is New Black podcast. You can find us on the web at westcoastproject.com. You'll find a list of many, many podcasts on there, and some of them you just might enjoy if you like listening to this. You can email us at support at westcoastproject.com. Search for us on Facebook, West Coast Project. And, of course, all this info is on the West Coast Project, pod, uh, West Coast Project website. And uh, interact with us on Twitter. We get into some fun conversations there. You can connect with me at Michelle from TN. And what's your Twitter name, Jessica? Uh, Jess the Hippie. At, at Jess the Hippie. You can come on there and follow and have conversations and tell us what you think about it. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn, so we're all over the place. And if you like us, we'd love to have you rate us. And that's all I got. You got anything else for us? No, that's it. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. We'll pick it up next time then with Season 3, Episode 4. 
great. Okay. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye-bye. I don't think